It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Wednesday edition of the podcast. Hope you guys are all doing fantastic out there in Cougar Nation. Plenty to get to ahead on this episode of Locked on Cougars. We continue our look back through BYU football history, looking at 1975 in our 100 seasons countdown. What happened? Lavelle Edwards' fourth season coming off a Fiesta Bowl berth. We'll examine that. We'll also talk with Clark Barrington, one of the other statesmen on BYU's offensive line now after the graduation of three of his compatriots a year ago. What does he expect to do this coming season for the Cougars? And also what to make of his younger brother Campbell, who joins the roster this fall as well. We'll also catch you guys up on everything else you need to know as a BYU fan here on a Wednesday as well. So plenty to get to ahead on this edition of the podcast. Our title sponsor today is our good friends over at Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all of the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need. Check them out at rockauto.com. All right, without further ado, let's dive in on a hump day. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for June 30th, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you again for taking some time to join us on your daily podcast, Focus on All Things BYU. Uh, one note before we get going in earnest on today's podcast is a big thank you to all of you. We're, of course, at the end of another month here on the podcast, and it's crazy to think how good this month has been, considering that May and June traditionally are our two lowest listened to months on the podcast. It just simply is that fact. It's an off-season period, basketball in the rearview mirror firmly, football obviously seemingly both months months away on both ends, whether the end of the previous season and over the coming season. But you guys, you the listeners, have been absolutely marvelous. Our download numbers have stayed relatively strong. They're the best June we have had in our three years of doing this podcast. Yes, I've been talking to you guys about BYU for almost three years now. It's absolutely incredible to think about that. But also, a big, big thank you to all of you guys for your continued support of the podcast. I'm glad you guys find this podcast of worth. The nice part about it is we just had to keep it simple. Short form, 20 to 30 minutes, get you on your way. We're not trying to drag out your day and fill you in with a bunch of filler. No, we get in, get the news, and then get right back out. And of course, we do this every day. And a big thank you once again for joining us. Some reminders for you guys on that front. If you're new to the show, just checking us out, hit the follow button wherever you might be listening in from whatever podcast provider you happen to be using. Hit that follow button. That way you never miss an episode. And in addition to that, make sure to use your smart device to listen to the podcast. You can tell your smartphone, your smart speaker, whatever it might be, play the Locked On Cougars podcast and by some form of what we'd call magic, I'll be right there in your ear or right there on your speaker talking about BYU. It's really, really simple. And once again, thank you 
for your support. All right, let's get going here in earnest on the podcast today and talk about 1975 in BYU football history. As some of you will recall, we've been going down through 100 seasons of BYU football that have been played to this point going into the 2021 season. And 1975 for BYU is not a season you're going to write home about in terms of the overall success of the BYU football program. We talked on yesterday's show about 1974 and how the Cougars reeled off a seven-game win streak to win the WAC title outright. They beat nationally ranked Arizona and Arizona State in that run to win the WAC title and as such become the WAC champion and get the automatic berth into what was the Fiesta Bowl's first year in 1974. Coming off that, Gary Scheide graduates. You think, okay, who's the next quarterback going to be? Well, it happened to be a guy who prepped right across the street from BYU, literally, in Gifford Nilsson. Of course, the guy who would go on to become the nickname Mormon Rifle was a standout basketball player, baseball player, and football player at Provo High. During his time at BYU, he played all those sports as well, but football is where he shined. 1975, though, was not the season for him where he really became what he would end up becoming in the BYU football program's history. He was a starter, I believe only a sophomore during this season for BYU, and had his struggles as did BYU. They opened the year with a 23-21 loss against Bowling Green, of all programs, in Provo at Cougar Stadium in their home opener. They followed that up with two road games, both of them conference games, at Colorado State, lost another tight game, 21 to 17, and then went to number thir- then number 13 Arizona State. The Sun Devils absolutely fantastic in 1975. They actually finished up the year ranked number two in the country, a perfect 12 and 0 record. And BYU went to Tempe, and the Sun Devils got their revenge for 1974 with a 20 to nothing shutout of the Cougars. We'll talk more about that shutout here in a moment. Let's run down the rest of the season real quick, though. BYU then bounced back after starting 0-3 with a three-game win streak, beating New Mexico 16-15 in a tight one in Provo, then beating Air Force 28-14, then finally finishing off that win streak at Wyoming in a 33-20 victory in Laramie. Then they faced Arizona, who was ranked number 17 during this time, at Cougar Stadium in Provo, Utah. They battled but came up short once again. 36-20 was the final in that game. So BYU goes into the month of November. Actually, that was November 1st. So entering the final four games of their season, they sit at 3-4. and four. Obviously not what BYU fans probably hoped for, and I would imagine what they expected after a Fiesta Bowl berth the year before. Then BYU re- reeled off three more wins, winning at Utah State 24-7, absolutely blasting Utah 51-20 to continue their recent win streak over the Utes, and then went to UTEP and beat the uh, Miners. I wanted to say the Raiders for some reason. They're not the Raiders. They're the Miners 20-10, and then finish up the year with an interesting non-conference game at Southern Miss down in Jackson, Mississippi. Went down there, probably got a little too big for their britches, and were dismissed 42-14. to So obviously not the way you want to see BYU finish out the year. And as such, the Cougars finished 6-5. and One of the worst records, honestly, that Lavelle Edwards would have during his tenure as head coach at BYU. They went 4-3 and in the whack, tied for fourth place with New Mexico at 6-5 and 4-3 and in the conference. 
As we mentioned, number two, Arizona State was 7-0 in the conference, 12-0 overall, finishing number two in the final polls. Arizona, 5-2 in conference, 9-2 overall, finished number 18. And then Colorado State finishing just behind Arizona with a 4-2 conference record. They were 6-5 to match BYU in the overall, but 4-2 in the conference gets them third place. Now, going back to that game against Arizona State, BYU obviously was shut out 20 to nothing. but some of you may know this, some of you may not. That was the final game that BYU as a football program would be shut out in for more than 28 years. Yes, the Cougars would go from September 27th, 1975 to the 22nd of November, 2003, a span of more than 28 years, 361 games and a national championship in that run between being shut out in games. Absolutely incredible streak. It was a streak I grew up with knowing about the fact that BYU had not been shut out in 300 games, in 350 games. Well, after 361 games in very disappointing and frankly humiliating fashion, BYU got shut out in that blizzard in Provo against Utah in 2003, 3-0. And that ended that 361-game shutout-less streak for the BYU football program. So that's probably the most notable thing from an otherwise forgettable 1970. Campaign. Notable players from that year included Gifford Nilsson, as we mentioned. Didn't necessarily have a great year as the gunslinger for the Cougars, replacing Gary Scheide. He passed for 1,471 yards. 10 touchdowns against 7 interceptions was not his best season. But Jeff Blanc, who we talked about yesterday, really was a fantastic running back for BYU. Had probably his finest season in a BYU uniform, finishing with 984 yards rushing, tallied 9 touchdowns. In addition to that, he also added just over 100 yards receiving to finish with 1,000-plus yards, 2 touchdowns receiving in that game. John Vanderwooden was BYU's leading receiver on the season with 29 receptions for 621 yards and 3 touchdowns. But the 1975 season marked the coming out party for one notable name that BYU fans will be very familiar with, the one, the only, Todd Christensen. Christensen had a breakout campaign as a fullback slash tight end. Truly was a fullback at BYU before becoming a tight end in name in the NFL. But he had a great year all the same. 59 carries, 278 yards, and a touchdown on the ground while adding 30 receptions, the most on the season from a BYU player, for 319 yards and three touchdowns. He would go on, like I mentioned, to be an all-whack player go on to win Super Bowls with the Oakland Raiders. Just a fantastic person overall. I got to know Todd just a little bit before his passing. I know his son, Toby, really, really well. That family is great. And 1975 marked his really, hey, this guy is a guy to watch, speaking of Todd Christensen. So there you guys go. Everything you need to know about 1975 and BYU history. Oh, one other note for you guys. Apologies for that. Uh, BYU had three, four, excuse me, four players tally over 100 tackles during the 1975 season as well. Pretty impressive to see that tally come up. One of them, a uh, fifth player coming up just one tackle short, Marcus Conahele. Sid Smith led the way with 149 tackles. Bill Rice, 128 tackles. McKelly Eremia with 100. 10 tackles, Stan Varner with 103 tackles, and then finally Marcus Canahele with 99 total tackles. So pretty impressive numbers across the board for BYU on defense, but this record 
you'd say, okay, whatever. But we'll talk about 1976 and really when things got going with the quote-unquote Mormon rifle, speaking of Gifford Nielsen, who is now, as many of you will note, S. Gifford Nielsen or Elder S. Gifford Nielsen, a member of the Quorum of the Seventy in the LDS church hierarchy. All right, coming up here in a minute, had a chance to catch up with Clark Barrington of BYU Football Media Day, a guy who suddenly finds himself as one of the veteran leaders of BYU's offensive line after being the quote-unquote young guy along that standout line a year ago. What does he expect to do this fall? Well, we'll talk with him next. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at Rock Auto. Of course, folks, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store or even a dealership to stock all the parts your car truly needs. Why endure the, all the questions they're going to ask you when they're looking the stuff up on their computer themselves? When you have a smart device, you have your phone, you have a computer, you can look it up yourself. You can access all of it at rockauto.com and in the comfort of your home or even just out and about with your phone. Save time and money when using Rock Auto, folks. Why would you choose to spend up to 30 50% or even 100% more for the same parts when you go through a chain store or a car dealership when you can get them at rockauto.com? For an example, Honda Odyssey fuel pumps, $353 from a chain store, just $216 when you go to rockauto.com. The prices are always reliably low for every customer when you get to rockauto.com and they've got every part you could ever imagine. No matter what it is, I guarantee they've got it for you guys or they will find it for you. Go explore their easy to use website today to find the solution for all of your auto part and body needs. Go to rockauto.com and while you're there, make sure to write locked on or locked on cougars in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you to check them out. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all of the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need. Go online and check them out now at rockauto.com. NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, folks, had a chance to catch up with Clark Barrington, as I mentioned, at BYU Football Media Day. A guy I've gotten to know fairly well over the years that he's been at BYU. And i got to say, Clark is becoming a very, very fun interview, as you will hear in the upcoming interview we're about to play. Had a great chance to talk with him as he makes the transition now from the quote-unquote underclassmen starting for BYU's offensive line to now being one of two returning starters for BYU along that offensive front alongside his running mate at center, James Empey. A great conversation, a lot of what to expect from him moving forward, speaking of Clark Barrington, and even some thoughts on his younger brother, Campbell Barrington, who is a pretty highly thought of prospect in his own right, who joins the program this fall as well. So without further ado, here you go, Clark Barrington with myself, right here on Locked on Cougars. What is it about media day that you like versus dislike? All right, well, um, personally... I I'm not the most social guy, okay. um, so so all these interviews is kind of out of my comfort zone, mm-hmm. you know. So I'd prefer not to do all the interviews, but hey, you know, it's a good time to, to kind of just put myself out there, let the fans get to know who I am, and even just get to know you know you guys and other reporters and things. So you know, I enjoy I enjoy getting to know people, you know. But it, it's just a good time. 
Spoken like a true offensive lineman yeah. right there. <laughs> Toil and anonymity and just do your thing, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. What's the mindset of this offensive line this year? Because we saw Brady go to the Panthers. We saw Tristan now with the Jets, also with Zach out yep. there, and also Channing goes to Tennessee. You lose three guys that you played alongside for the better part of two years. What's going to be different about this offensive line? For sure, you know, we, we did lose a, you know, a lot of um, experience, you know, a lot of a lot of great dudes, and I'm so happy for for them at the next level. And you know, but I think uh, we have a lot of dudes that have experience, mm-hmm. and I've played in games. You know, and, and and I think that's um, a real plus for for us as as a group. You know, I feel like lots of the guys, you know, we've been grinding over the off season and, and putting in work and getting better and improving, and and I think that's really just just helped us, you know, grow even closer together as a unit. You know, and I feel like those guys are ready to to you know step in and, and fill the spots that, that are open now. So. I remember talking to Brady when you moved into that left guard spot. He talked about the fact that he was kind of being a guy who could help you along, help you with different things. You're going to have a new guy outside of you, most likely Blake Freeland, who knows who ultimately is. Are you kind of taking on that role now, saying, "Okay, I need to give back kind of what what Brady did for me"? Yeah, I think I, I think so. You know, it's James is a great help too. Oh, sure. You know, in there yeah. at center, great great dude, uh, <laughs> lots of experience there, and, and he's pretty much a coach on the field. You know what I mean? And, and so between him and, and you, you know, I try to, right there yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, between him and I, and then we, we try to, you know, just help each other out. Mm-hmm. You know, even Blake, you know, giving me tips, mm-hmm. me, I, I'm giving him tips. You know, we're all just trying to help us be as great as we can be as a unit. And so, you know, whatever that takes, whatever little coaching I can give and, and tips I can give to people, you know, I'm going to give it so, so we can be, be great. So is it weird to think now you're another statesman on this offensive line? It, it's it's weird. It's different, you know. You were the young guy just not too long. Yeah, I was I was the young guy last year, you know, <laughs> longest youngest dude on the on the whole line, and, but now I'm one of the oldest. So, you know, it's different, but but it's a great opportunity to step up and and, and kind of lead and and try to just push the, the guys behind me, you know, to, to try to be great. So, what makes James so good at what he does? <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of things that that makes him. And great at what he does, you know. Just his knowledge of the game is, you know, ridiculous. Uh, he grew up around it, you know, and and he just takes in everything that you could possibly take in, you know, in, in film study and all that, and and also his just his work ethic, you know, trying to get better each and every day, and 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 using his strengths to to his uh, oh gosh. Using his yeah, using his strengths to, to his advantage, right? Yeah, and and I think that's kind of the few things that that gives him you know the upper hand and on things. So, what have you worked on most in your game? I feel like um, a big thing that I've worked on is is just kind of staying balanced, you know, in everything I do. I, last year with Brady, he he was he was kind of the same with James. I was kind of surrounded by two technique guys, you know what I mean? And, sure. And I could be out there, and I could just be the mauler, you know. And and I love that. Yeah. I love I love just throwing my head in there and just mauling guys, and and, and letting them handle handle sure. the rest, you know what I mean? But yeah. you know, the of course technique's part of the game, you know, and and. And so staying balanced and in everything I do, whether it be run blocking, pass blocking, you know, whatever it is, I think that's a big thing that I've just tried to focus on. 
you know, staying balanced in those things so that I don't get out of position where, where I saw myself getting out of position last year at, some, at, at points. So. Obviously, Coach Mateos went with Coach Grimes down there to Baylor. Coach Funk comes in. What do you like about Coach Funk so far? Right, you know, that, that's another dude that that has kind of studied wide zone, you know, his whole life. Yeah. You know, he, 35 years of experience, you know, great experience, and and has coached some real good players, you know. And, and so I think just there's things to pick up you know, from each coach I've, I've had, you know, from, from Hugh, from Mateos, from Grimes, you know, from, from each of them, there's been things that I, that I've learned and been able to implement to my game. And so it's, it's just another great opportunity to, to continue to learn from, from coach Funk, you know, the different techniques that, that he, he's been teaching us and, and just the different things, you know, about the scheme of, of football. And so it's just a great opportunity to learn and then in- implement those things to my game. So I'd kind of forgotten you've you've had essentially four offensive line coaches during your time here. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been it's been crazy for sure, but <laughs> it's been good. I'm, I'm sure you've learned from all of them different things. They well, all bring sure. their different skill set. I'm sure they and like Coach Funk, you mentioned 35 years. There's probably not right. much he hasn't seen at this point. Right, right. What about that uh, excites you? Because obviously you guys last year, you had both Coach Mateos and Coach Grimes, and they were essentially one-two tandem with this offensive line. Coach Funk now kind of comes in and has to kind of handle it himself. I know he's got a GA under him that's helping out, but what uh, about him as a, as a person is different than maybe the previous – offensive line coaches you've had you know I just I think he does a really good job at um, you know kind of just teaching things in the present and helping us understand you know kind of the why behind everything and and not saying that past coaches haven't you know they all have and they and I've learned great things from from all of them I love all of them Mm -hmm. You know, but he, 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 he's done a really good job of teaching us and helping us understand, you know, why are we doing such a technique? And, and it kind of just adds an extra meaning to the things that we're doing. So, Do you think this offensive line can just essentially just reload with a guy like Blake Freeland, Harris Lachance on the other side, and just kind of go out there and do what you guys did a year ago? I, th- I think it's, uh, it's possible for sure. You know, it, it, it takes hard work. You know, it takes grit. You know, it takes that just that kind of extra you know each and every day um, um, to be great and so you know if we stay on this path that, that we've been on you know and doing extra and and trying to become the best we can become then then yeah it'll just continue on from from where we left off last year you're no longer the only Barrington on this roster I need to ask you about your young yep, brother yep. Uh, what's what's he like what's kind of your evaluation of him as an offensive lineman for sure um no, I think him and I are very similar, okay. um, and he and he's coming in very raw, you know. But uh, he's ready to to be the aggressor, you know. He's ready to throw his head in there and and do whatever it takes to get the job done, just you know, just like me. And then so, you know, it's been good having him on the team, and it's been fun being able to just play with each other again. You know, we we had two years in high school, and it was a blast, and and so it's been a good time, you know, just. Uh, having him back here you know, he's trying to get bigger and lost 50 pounds on his mission he's back up to maybe 285 290 now so he's he's getting there but but it's been good having him here i recall you lost a bunch of weight on your mission too though yeah how much did you lose 50 pounds as well so it's 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 possible to get back 
wrapping it up here, but how, okay, how do you lose 50 pounds? Show up and then say, I'm gonna pack that back on plus some. How do you do that? Okay, so first, how do you lose it? You get sent to Africa, you know, okay, and, and you, you serve enough. a mission okay. there for two years sure, and, okay. and you're sweating 24 yeah. seven. Then okay. the way to get it back is pretty much eat everything you see. Okay. You know, at, at first when I got my, my brother Campbell, he's, he's getting his weight back better than, in a better way that I got it back, you know, more muscle than, than fat, okay. you know, but Fair when enough. I first got back, I was just kind of, they were saying, hey, get up to 300, get it, get up to 300. And I was like, all right, well, I'll just eat everything I, I, I see and, mm-hmm. and just eat until I'm sick pretty much. But, you know, I got up to 300, probably not the best weight. But, uh, you know, I've been able to convert, yeah, convert that weight. But it, it's been good. Clark, thanks for taking the time. Yep. There you go, Clark Barrington. A big thank you to him for taking the time to stand and talk with me for, what, almost 10 minutes there. A great conversation. Had a great time catching up with him and wishing him and the rest of the BYU offensive front nothing but the best moving forward. I think this BYU offensive line is actually going to be very, very good despite losing three starters from last year's team. That's just my personal gut feeling. I think they have stocked the talent there at a very, very good level. And some of the incoming talent they have added recently should also help out on that front as well. So looking forward to it. And once again, a big thank you to Clark Barrington for taking the time. We'll hopefully catch up with him more down the road as the season progresses, obviously. All right, coming up here in a minute, we'll wrap up today's show, get you everything else you need to know as a BYU fan right here on a Wednesday. So stay tuned for that. But right now, let's take a minute and talk about my good friends, my favorite friends, protein bars. What I mean when I say that? Built bars. You guys probably hear me talk about them a lot and really wonder, Jake, can they really be that good? I'm just going to say the proof is in the pudding for me. I have absolutely loved Built Bars. They are part of my daily routine now. They're absolutely incredible. they got nine delicious base flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor, both nut and non-nut flavors. They taste like candy bars, folks. I mean that. Coconut almond to me tastes as close to a, an almond joy as you will get. And the best part is it's much healthier than, all, than an almond joy. All of their bars at Built Bar are high protein, high fiber, low calorie, low sugar. They're the perfect complement wherever you might be in your health journey. Trying to lose or maintain weight? Well, Built Bars can help you out along the way. They have helped me, and I cannot encourage you guys enough to give them a shot yourself. Go check them out online now at BuiltBar.com. Place your order there, and while you're there, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. Yes, you heard that right. 15% off by using the promo code LOCKED15 when you get to BuiltBar.com. I cannot encourage you guys enough to give them a shot. They're soft and easy to chew. They're absolutely delicious, and I want you guys to give them a shot. So once again, promo code LOCK15 at BuiltBar.com and get enjoying the best tasting protein bars with Built Bar. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, folks, before we go here on a Wednesday, let's catch you guys up on some other news and notes involving BYU athletics you'll probably want to know about. First things first, we talked yesterday about how BYU is offering some guys in the transfer portal on the basketball front. Well, I defer all of my knowledge to Robbie McCombs. He, of course, runs Vanquish the Foe, part of the SB Nation network of uh, websites, does a great job, and he recently put out his BYU basketball transfer big board 7.0. He's been doing this all offseason, informing BYU fans who BYU 
values looking at in the transfer portal and kind of gauging what the interest might be from both sides. And he did a good job on this latest edition that came out yesterday. He says that BYU is prioritizing in his mind Seneca Knight, who is a guard slash forward, six foot seven, a transfer officially out of LSU, but formerly of San Jose State. As we mentioned, he was a standout offensive player during uh, the seasons he played for San Jose State, averaging 17 points. Uh, really is a guy who I think could be a fantastic addition to the BYU roster if he's able to show what he needs to, especially sh- shooting the ball. That's something that's kind of been his Achilles heel, is consistent shooting numbers. But I really, really like his game. Yeah, he was one of the Mountain West's top scorers two seasons ago, averaging 17.1 points per game, 5.7 rebounds, and 2.4 assists. He shot 40% from the field, just 29% from three, but 77% from the foul line. If there's anything that I have learned, that there's a direct correlation between being able to hit foul shots, speaking of free throws at a high clip, and potential three-point shooting. 77% from the free throw line is not great, but it's not awful, and that would indicate to me that he's actually probably able to shoot better from three than 29% if given more opportunities. Will BYU be able to give him that opportunity? Well, he ultimately has to decide that BYU is the spot for him. We'll see what happens. Robbie says he spoke with uh, with him about the opportunity. We'll see if Knight ultimately decides that BYU is where he wants to go coming back west, but we'll find out. He also mentioned Amari McRae. Obviously, we talked about yesterday how Barrett Peary, who's now the associate head coach at Texas Tech, probably is the inside track there. But McRae also says, according to Robbie, to keep an eye on Grambling State as they are close to where he grew up and will likely offer him the most playing time. Then other players that he mentions here that we'll note just quickly include Yuat Alok, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, a center out of Coppin State. He averaged 9.5 points and 5.9 rebounds for Coppin State this past season. May seem like a strange fit for a guy to come from Coppin State, but actually spent some time at Southern Utah University, but never ultimately played there. And then two other names, Casey and Defo, a forward out of St. Peter's, can't shoot a lick apparently, but is a very athletic defensive player at six foot seven. And also Rick Isanza, a center from Oklahoma, seven foot one, two hundred and fifty pounds, big body, but probably not necessarily on BYU's high priority list right now. So, looks like BYU's all in on Seneca Knight for the time being. And as I mentioned on yesterday's podcast, the deadline to be eligible for this upcoming season as a transfer in the transfer portal is tomorrow for basketball players. So, if if players, if you see a spurt of guys enter the transfer portal today. Well, that's probably because they realize, hey, I need to get out if I want to be eligible for next season. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Locked On Cougars. Can't thank you guys enough for your continued support of the podcast, as always. Always a blast to be with you guys every single day. Make sure to leave us a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. And, of course, as we always say, we want five stars only on those ratings, but appreciate any and all feedback you guys to give us. And also make sure to follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at locked on Cougars. And as always feel free to reach out via email locked on BYU at gmail.com is the email address. All right. That's going to do it. A big thank you once again for your support. Have a great day whenever you hear this. And of course, this has been the locked on Cougars podcast for June 30th, 2021. And we will talk to you guys tomorrow.
NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.